So we've been talking over the last four weeks about this, you know, joining Jesus on his mission. And uh, last Sunday, we had Pastor Finke come out and lead a workshop and, and preach. Uh, he was a pretty amazing speaker, wasn't he? Like, really good. And his message was amazing. I I'm really excited to see that truly take root here at St. Paul. Now, I will say I was a little bit envious of him because, man, you guys were laughing a lot at him. And even more so, you participated during the sermon. Just so you know, now that I know you're capable of that, I'm going to remember that in the future. Now, I think everyone here, uh, you know, we know and believe wholeheartedly that we all need Jesus, right? We need, we know we need Jesus' grace and forgiveness, and I think, especially after last weekend, a lot of us are now to the point where we're like, yeah, I know I need to be a little bit more intentional about deepening those relationships and, you know, ultimately with the hope of talking about Jesus. But I also know that during the beginning of this whole process, it still might be a little bit challenging, right, to know how it is that we're supposed to navigate. We still might feel like we're we're not quite sure how to approach our neighbor, or we're not sure what to say or, or when to say it. Now, when thinking about this, I want to start by sharing a type of strategy not to do. So when, when thinking about talking to your neighbors, this is maybe one not to do. So when I was in college, there was a, and keep in mind, I went to a, a Christian college, important context for this. Uh, there were a handful of times when I experienced what was referred to as a Jesus juke. Now, I'm guessing that no one here has heard of it, but once I describe it, you might be like, yeah, I've, I've experienced this before. And again, I'm telling you this as something not to do. So a Jesus juke is when someone is having a conversation, nothing to do about Jesus, and you you, make, you force Jesus into the conversation, right? So think about like a football player. They're, they're running a direction, and they juke a completely different way. You know, the conversation is going this way, and oh, I'm going to juke into Jesus here, okay? So it can ruin conversations. Here, here's a few examples of a Jesus juke. You know, if someone comes up, in, up to you and says, hey, do you want to hear a joke? You say, Jesus' love for you is no joke. Jesus juke. Or if someone says, oh man, my car is so dirty, and you say, why don't you wash your car and I'll tell you about the one who can wash your soul. Jesus juke. Or how about next time you see your neighbor taking their trash bin out, you go up to them and say, that garbage is just like your good works. Before God, they're nothing. You need Jesus. Jesus juke. After the 830 service, uh, a wife came up to me and she's like, my husband does this all the time. Somebody will say, bless you, and he'll be like, yes, I am blessed. You know, just a, a small example. You know, the examples that I give are cheesy, but you get the point. People do not appreciate when you hijack the conversation, right? And, and I think people will, over time, not want to talk to you if you make a habit out of it. That being said, there are situations for us to talk about our faith, to talk about Jesus and the Bible and so on. In fact, in Acts, we saw Paul do that. Um, you know, Paul made connections based on what was in front of him. 
But as we'll see, he didn't Jesus juke. He didn't force Jesus into the conversation. He did something simpler. Today, we're more or less getting a bonus week of thinky-focused content as we're going to be looking at Acts. Um, you know, this is, uh, we're going to be doing the, the appointed readings, but the appointed reading for today just lines up with our theme very well. So Paul in Acts 17 goes to Athens. And I, I think Paul knew to an extent a little bit of what he was getting himself into. You know, going to Athens where there were deep philosophers, right? You know, we often think of philosophers with, you know, looking very intent and like, you know, deep in thought. But Paul also found out that these people were very religious, right? Even though their religion wasn't steered in the right direction. Because as he went through the city, he found that the city was full of idols. Now, instead of, you know, immediately saying something about Jesus or, you know, even condemning, for the, uh, condemning them for their idolatry, Paul makes observations about what was going on there. So what Paul did is he saw people who didn't know Jesus, who were figuratively far away, and he built a bridge. He made connections. He says to the men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also this altar with the inscription to the unknown God. So he uses this altar to the unknown God as a connecting point. You know, they, they had all these altars to idols, and they wanted to make sure that they didn't forget one. That they weren't like, oh, man, this one, this is, this is a real God. We want to make sure that we have him. He uses that as a connection. So Paul uses their sinful idolatry as a point of connection. He doesn't outright condemn it. He simply makes an observation that they are a religious people. And he uses that observation as a connection. And he builds off it. You know, in Acts, it says that he was there for many days. Many days he observed. Many days he listened. Many days he asked questions. This all pointed to the opportunity to speak to the truth of God's word. He uses to the altar of the unknown God to tell them about the one true God, the God who made everything. Now, when thinking about this in relation to joining Jesus on his mission— we should really take note of Paul, both what he does and what he doesn't do. That is to say, we don't need to force Jesus or our faith or the Bible into a conversation. Really, when we do that, it's, it's more likely going to be detrimental to the conversation and maybe even to the relationship. Instead of forcing things into the conversation, we build relationships. Right? We, we have genuine relationships. We, we make connections. You know, Paul, like I mentioned, he was there for a while, listening and observing, and when he had the opportunity, made a natural connection with what was right in front of him. Because j just think about it for a moment. If, you know, do you think that someone is going to find your efforts genuine. If, if you're starting to talk about Jesus based on, you know, just using my examples from before, based on talking about trash or about a dirty car, 
You think somebody's going to find your efforts to talk about Jesus genuine if that is your point of conversation? Or do you think that it might go better if you've taken time to really cultivate a relationship where you care for that person? You've gotten to know them, and then there's a time when the conversation can naturally flow from that. You may have heard this before, but in many situations, you really need to earn the right to get to talk about Jesus. So going back to Paul in Athens, he, he observes and he listens to people. By doing that, he's able to connect to them naturally. He doesn't condemn them. He finds a connecting point to speak the truth of God's word. Paul uses a natural connection right in front of him. He didn't have a Jesus Jew. He didn't force Jesus into the conversation. When we listen to people, when we observe what's going on, God will provide opportunities to bring the conversation to Jesus. In fact, I had this recently. Uh, as many of you know, my family recently moved, and I had the opportunity to uh, meet our neighbors across the street. Now, when I meet new people, I'm not quick to tell them that I'm a pastor. I'm not embarrassed or ashamed, but I mean, there's a lot of people who, when they find out that I'm a pastor, oh, you know, they, they start to act different. And so I, I'm not quick on the draw to, to share that, but came up in conversation, they asked me what I did, and I told them, and we had some great unexpected conversations, right? Got to talk about church and about prayer. Now, I, I know that a pa being a pastor is kind of like uh, cheating in this regard, because you say you're a pastor, people are going to associate that with Christianity, but you get the point. I didn't force it. it. It came up in conversation naturally. Now, sometimes those conversations can happen quickly, right? Sometimes we have to wait a while to get an opportunity to get to talk about Jesus. But when God provides those opportunities, he'll give you the words to speak. Now, when we think about having these conversations with people, uh, uh, there's another thing that plays in with this, right? It's about how we talk and what we say in general. You know, the language, the kind of words that we use. Now, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to try to be a parent and be like, you better watch your mouth or I'm going to wash it out with soap. Uh, I'm not going to say that, but I do want to encourage and challenge us. You know, Paul, Jesus, James, more people talk about the tongue and about our language. You know, again, I'm not saying that we need to talk about Jesus every single sentence, but as Paul says in Ephesians, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So if we're not talking about Jesus, how do we talk, right? Because if our language, if our patterns of speech and our patterns of life, if they don't reflect the light of the world but reflect the darkness, then it's going to be quite a contrast, even hypocritical when we try to talk about Jesus, right? For example, in Philippians, Paul says to do everything without, uh, without grumbling or complaining so that you may shine like stars in a crooked and twisted generation. So that looks like 
Not complaining when your boss gives you another task. Not grumbling about, oh, it's a Monday again. It also looks like not gossiping, not talking about people behind their backs. This is Eighth Commandment stuff, right? A good rule of thumb is if you wouldn't say something about somebody when they're in front of you, don't say it at all. It also looks like not having crude language or offensive language. You know, whether it be specific words or just the content that we say. Because let's think about this scenario. You are known as the office gossip, or you complain about everything that happens, or you, are, you, uh, you swear like a sailor. But then you want to try to tell people about the Jesus who changes your life? Those things really aren't compatible. Let the light, the life, and the hope that Jesus shows you shine through you to all men. The pre-Jesus conversations, the conversations that don't have anything to do with Jesus also matter. Going back to Paul in Acts one more time. After he said all that he needed to say in verse 32, which is the verse right after our reading, it says, Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, we will hear you about this again. When we do talk about Jesus, sometimes people are not going to want to listen. That's just really the reality. But sometimes they will. Either way, the pressure isn't on you. You don't have to find a way to force Jesus into the conversation. He doesn't want you to hijack and Jesus juke every conversation. He wants to work through the relationships that you have with others. Just put yourself in positions where you are with people, that you are having conversation. And I promise, God is going to use that. Again, when God puts you in, a, in the position, he's going to give you the words to say as well. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you that you go before us in our conversations, Lord, that we, it's not up to us to find a creative way to bring you into every conversation. Lord, we ask that you would help us to, to be good friends, to be good neighbors, to, to be good co-workers, and that you would help our, our way of living, our, our words and our actions be a reflection of who you are, and that you would provide opportunities to then share the good news of Jesus with others. God, help us to earn that right in uh, the lives of the people around us. It may it be for your namesake. Amen. I invite you to stand as we continue with song.